Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Can we turn together to Matthew chapter 25 this morning? And I want to continue our series that we launched last week about how to say thank you. We started considering last week how we can express our thanks to the Lord. And you know what? I've been thinking about this issue and this subject matter for a little while now. And one thing that I've come to realize is that there are some things, some facets of the Lord's blessings over our lives for which we will never find the adequate vocabulary nor action to ever fully say thank you as is deserved. Would you agree with that this morning? That there are some ways that the Lord has touched our lives that we will never fully be able to express a proper amount of gratitude. However, there are some very practical ways in which we can uh, express our gratitude. And we began to talk about that last week. And how that, you know, when we recognize that we've been blessed, that the Lord has touched our lives, that He's been good to us, that we would be careful to exercise stewardship over the things that the Lord has blessed us with. So last week we talked about that if we're going to be able to even begin to express appreciation for a gift or a blessing, then we first must recognize the source of that gift. We've got to understand where the blessing is coming from. And we know from the word of the Lord that all of our blessings come from the Lord. Amen? So I was thinking about this. And not only must we recognize the source of our gift, but sometimes... We, we don't fully grasp and recognize the significance of our blessings. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you have enjoyed good health and you've been, you've been just going through life, everything's been dandy and wonderful and all of a sudden one day you're stricken with sickness and you're down and you learn a whole new value or appreciation, a, a new significance. You have a renewed perspective of significance over what it means to be healthy. You know? In other words, sometimes we can take things for granted. We can just not recognize the significance of our blessing. So I want to share with you a story from the Word today. And I'm going to approach it from maybe a little different perspective. I'm not going to try to recreate, reinvent the wheel here or anything this morning. But I want to share a couple of facets from this narrative that I don't ever hear mentioned much. And they often go unmentioned. But my aim in that is to help you and I to be able to better put ourselves in the situation of Scripture and just really, really talk about how we would respond in this situation. So two things that I am, or I pride myself to be, I guess if I can use that term, is number one, a student of the Word. I want to know what the Word says. I want to know what the instruction of the Lord is for my life. I want to know, you know, all that I can know about the Word. And the second thing I am is I am a student of human nature. I, I watch people, I, I watch tendencies and characteristics and, and things like that. And, and here's what I began to realize, is that sometimes we read the stories and we know the fact and figure and all of those things, but we tend not to factor in human nature into the equation and see how we would respond in similar situations. 
You know, we know it's a it's an awful thing. We think it's terrible, and it is, that, you know, on, on the night that Jesus was being tried, that Peter denied the Lord. Amen? That is, that's awful. It's terrible. He shouldn't have denied the Lord. But human nature is human nature, and sometimes we've got to stop, and we've got to put our own humanity into the narrative and say, how would I have responded? You know, if I was one in the crowd of many that was still claiming the name of Christ, and they're getting ready to crucify this dude, how would you respond in that moment? We think it's bad, and, and it is, that, you know, when God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to go and strike the, uh, speak to the rock so that you can get water to supply the need for millions of people, uh, that he went to it, and out of the depth of his frustration, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. But I ask again, what would you do if the livelihood of millions of people were resting on your shoulders and the best that God could come up with for you to do was go and begin to strike up a conversation with a rock? Would, would that be frustrating somewhat, a little bit, probably for most of us? And um, so I, I want to ask you this, and let's put, let's put this question now in the context of our message today. It is Sunday morning. You're going to go home today. You've got your afternoon all laid out and everything. But everybody knows, and you know it doesn't take any genius or anything, today is Sunday. Tomorrow is Monday. Monday morning. So let me lay this scenario for you. And you can just, don't shout me down here, but we're going to start. So it's Monday morning. The alarm clock rings. You get up bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. You're excited about the day that is before you. And you get yourself up. You can't wait to get out the door and get to work in the morning. And you're whistling as you work. And you're, you're getting there and you're getting clocked in. Or you're getting that first cup of coffee. Whatever your morning routine is. And you're just getting settled in to the day. When all of a sudden somebody from the, from the big guy's office uh, comes and knocks on your door and says, Hey, the boss would like to see you in his office. So you get your things together, you go up to the big man's office and you sit down and he begins to explain to you that he's going on a far journey. And he's going to be gone for a little while. He's just either taking some time off or he's got some business, whatever the scenario is. But he says to you this, he says, Look, and while I'm away... There's a portion of this company's assets that I'm going to entrust to you to manage for me while I'm gone. I want you to take good care of it. I want you to steward it. I want you to be wise with it. And you're there and you're all excited because you're thinking to yourself, Wow, I have been chosen. I'm one of the chosen ones. I I get part of the asset to, to superintend, to maintain, to steward here. And before you leave the room, he says, and by the way, there are two other co-workers that are going to be involved in this. One of them I'm giving twice as much of the company's asset to. The other one I'm giving five times as much of the company's asset to. And I ask you again, how would you respond in that moment? And I want us to seriously take a look here this morning and and really apply some human nature because, you know, I, I, I think that there's a, there's a philosophy afoot in our society today that says this. Of the guy that got the smaller portion of the assets to manage and to maintain, that this poor guy started off so disadvantaged that it, it was just such an inequitable deal that he received 
that somehow or another we need to lessen the requirements of responsibility for Him. We don't need to expect as much out of Him as we do the guy who got twice as much and the guy who got five times as much. That's what the world wants you and I to think. They want you and I to look at the blessing of the Lord and hold them in comparison to the way that other people around us are being blessed and thus in our minds diminish the significance of what God has put in our hands and thereby cause us to not take seriously the charge of stewardship over the blessings of God in our lives. But I want to tell you that is not a biblical perspective. That is not a biblical perspective because we're going to jump straight to the end of the story here because I want to set this up for you before we get started. I want to remind you, if you haven't figured out yet, I'm going to be talking about the parable of the talents. And the parable of the talents ends this way, that the one servant who hid his master's goods in the ground was given a sentence that was stated in terms like this, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, There will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Now with that being said this morning, I want to invite you to look with me. Matthew 25, we're going to begin reading here in verse 14. And it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents and to another two and to another uh, five, uh, one, each one according to his own ability. And he immediately went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Oh, don't you love these words? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents, and look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, here it is again, I love it, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man. Reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what's yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and, to, and he will have an abundance. But from he who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. 
Today I want to simply point a few characteristics out of this story that I believe are tied to the reason that many people find it difficult to release their faith in the area of stewardship. And there are just a few things in this narrative that stroke our humanity in a very peculiar way that sedates our faith muscles. And here they are. Number one is that there are inequalities in life. There are inequalities in life. I want you to look at your neighbor right now. And I want you to look at them as serious and solemn as you know how. And I want you to, I want you to inform them of a valuable life lesson. And if you can grab this in your heart today, you will be light years ahead. It's not very encouraging, nor is it very spiritual at all. But if you would just look at your neighbor right now and say, life is not fair. Could you do that? Church, this life that we live in is not fair. I don't want to scare anybody this morning and I don't want to sound like some on the political landscape, but wouldn't it be a wonderful world if we lived in a world where everybody had access to the same thing? If everybody could access the same level of education, if everybody could have the same salary, if everybody could live in the same size house, and I know I'm making some of you nervous here, but just hang on for a minute. I love the capitalistic free market society, okay? Just so I, okay, all right, just so we're clear. All right. But if we're honest today, how many of you know that many times in life it's the inequalities that we encounter that cause us to hold back on what we know we should be doing or cause us to hold back a little bit of what we know we're capable of doing? If there's someone in the workplace, how many of you have worked with those people? There's someone in the workplace that they found out that somebody else is getting a higher salary to do almost the same job. And therefore, they excuse themselves from responsibility because they're not getting what somebody else is getting. How many of you know those type of people? No, I ain't going to do it. I, I found out they're making 10 cents an hour more than I am. I mean, they can let him do it, not me. There are times that we justify ourselves by not giving 100% at work because there are inequalities. And we, you know, when we get our eyes off the fact that we're working for the wage upon which we agreed and we look to someone else, what someone else is getting, we can begin to, it can diminish in our heart greatly the blessing of what we're receiving. So surveying the inequalities of life will cause us to greatly diminish the significance of our blessing when we compare to what others have. How many of you have ever had something and you were really proud of it until somebody else pulled up with something better? And then all of a sudden in your mind, that great prize that you had, it just fell back a few notches. Yeah, we, we look around at what others have and suddenly what we have seems to pale in comparison. And suddenly because of a perspective birth through comparison, our attitude towards those things begin to change. We're not as thankful as we should be. We're, rather than giving thanks for what we have, we're busy struggling to get some more. 
We're not as generous as we should be. Rather than give, we hoard to ourselves. We can, we can begin to develop more of a sense of entitlement than a sense of gratitude when we compare what we've been given to what others have. And I'm going to share with you, it's not in the Word this morning, I know, and don't, you know, don't jump there with me, but let's just apply a little human nature this morning. Do you think for just a minute that the one-talent guy felt a little bit slighted? Felt just a little bit justified? Well, if I had have only had two talents like the other guy had two talents, then maybe I would have worked a little harder about doing this thing. And certainly, if I'd have had what the five-talent guy has, I would have worked much harder. But since I was only entrusted the one, I'm going to take it and bury it in the ground. And I'm telling you, church, sometimes when it comes to the issue of, of gratitude, when it comes to the issue of giving thanks to God, we're not giving thanks to God because we're so busy comparing what we've got with what someone else has got that it causes us by comparison, to greatly diminish in our minds and in our hearts the significance of what God has blessed us with. Likewise, how many of you, 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 let's reverse that scenario. We talked earlier about people that, you know, because they look and compare to what somebody else has, then they, then they don't feel as blessed. But what about sometimes when you look at what someone else has and it causes you to feel more blessed? You ever, you ever done that? I mean, you're just walking through the hospital and you're whistling, snapping your fingers and everything, and, and, and you're just looking and person after person's in there, and all of a sudden you just feel so blessed to be healthy. That's more the exception than the rule. Most of the time, comparison is a trap that sucks us in and makes us less appreciative of what we have. So let me, let me hasten to add this here this morning. The inequality, though, found in the text, that, that's immediately what we focus on, is the one, two, and the five. We focus on that, but there are inequalities in life, and there are inequalities in this text. And, but the inequalities in this text is not found in the value of the blessing. The inequalities in this text is found in their preparedness to receive. Did you catch what Jesus said there? Jesus says that the master distributed to them according to their ability. That's where the real inequality is. And sometimes that's how the inequality manifests on the outside of us. Church, let me tell you something. We need not begin to ask God for more until we've learned how to effectively steward what we already have. And there are times in this life I believe that God is withholding blessing from us because rather than us asking God to grow our blessing, we need to be asking God to grow us. Because I've seen it time and time again in my Christian walk that there are people who get so blessed that they get too busy for God. There are people that get so blessed that they get too busy for their family that they begin to overlook the things that God has already put in their lives, the things that God has already blessed them with, and rather than being a blessing, it becomes a burden. And if we're not prepared to receive that, it's not a good thing. And Jesus says here, he points to this inequality, and he says, Jesus says that the Master distributed it to them according to their ability. In short, the two-talent guy wasn't ready for the five-talent blessing. 
The one talent guy wasn't ready for the two, and it shows more as this story unfolds. And as we're considering the inequalities around us, it might do well to consider, could we even handle more if God was to give it to us? The second thing I want to point to you in this story is this, that as we're considering the significance of our gift is that the values in this story are irrelevant. The values are irrelevant. According to Nave's topical Bible, the one who possessed the five talents of gold or silver, whatever it was, was by today's standards in that moment a multimillionaire. Some calculate the talent in the parable to be the equivalent of 20 years of wages for the common worker. Now, other scholars estimate a more conservative value there and suggest that it could be, get this margin, anywhere from $1,000 to $30,000. They're not quite sure. But here's the issue. As it pertains to stewardship, the cash value is irrelevant. Because the question never is, how much did you have? The question always is, what did you do with what you had? The master never asked, now how much did I give you? He just says, what did you do with it once it was placed in your hand? How did you steward it? How did you take care of it? You see, it's not the value here, but the principle that's applicable. The master expected the same thing from the two-talent man that he did from the five, and he expected the same thing from the one-talent man that he did the two. All of it was considered. Now, here, here's what I want you to understand about this. You say, oh, well, Pastor, he, he blessed this guy this way and he blessed that guy that way and he blessed this guy here in the middle. And, but what I want you to understand is this. Even the guy who had the five talents, what he held in his hand was marginal compared to the master's ability to bless. Did you catch that? All of it was considered small in the scope of the Master's ability to bless. Verse 23 reads this way. I don't know if you caught it when we were coming through. And it says, And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been, you've been faithful over a few things. Maybe you're looking at what your neighbor has right now and you're saying, God, if only you'd bless me that way. Lord, if you would just give me those things. God, if I only had, if, if you only did. But compared to what God can do, it's nothing. And the master in this story says to the servant, he says, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. And that's to the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy. And you tell me that if he'd been a good steward when that one-talent guy came in and he said, Lord, I couldn't do much because I, maybe I didn't have the five talents or maybe I didn't have the two. So now instead of the four or the ten, I only have two at this point. Then his master would have still looked at him and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. And the third thing, final thing I want to point to you in this text is this, that faith is essential. Faith is essential. As we covered last week, saying you believe, saying you believe and acting like you believe are two very different things. This guy in this story says he believes, but he acts like he doesn't. Can I tell you today that some people try to 
pit doubt as the opposite of faith? Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the antithesis of faith. And this guy says, here verse 24 and 25, this one talent guy who comes in, he says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering from where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. This man had rehearsed all his lines. He, had, he knew he blew it. And he had come up with all the... Have you ever stood in prayer before and offered the Lord all of your excuses and felt prompted in that moment that he wasn't buying it? You ever just said, but Lord, I just... And, and you, you know, you can just sense the Lord's just going... No, 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 save it. So this guy's rehearsed all his lines. He's got this ironclad argument that's, that he's rehearsed here. And he's just like, you know, I'll go in there. I'll tell him I knew he was a hard man, all this kind of stuff. And it'll, it'll be okay. And you know how his master responded? I said, well, now wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't even correlate. What you're telling me and what you did are two different things. That, that doesn't even go together. You didn't, you didn't really believe those things about me. You're just wicked and lazy. If you'd believed in me, you would have behaved differently with what I entrusted you. It's not... You know, it's not stated here, but it's certainly safe to assume that the two-talent guy and the five-talent guy believe the same thing about this master because they went out and behaved according to their belief. They went out and they worked it. They, they stewarded it. They kept track of it. And they doubled it. Fear is the opposite of faith. So today, if you're holding with a tight fist the things that God has entrusted to you because you're afraid of letting go, then today I would say to you to trust Him. Trust His character. Trust His nature. Have an have a open hand. Hold loosely the things that God has given to you. God has entrusted to you. Act by faith with those things you're being moved by faith, by fear today, I want to encourage you to really examine your life and examine the way that you're stewarding the blessings of God that are coming to you. And I want you to begin to to just begin to walk by faith and begin to trust in the character and the nature of the Lord. Because our Master says to us, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Our Lord says that He will supply our need according to His riches and glory. It is testified of our Lord, that of the psalmist, that He was young and now is old, but He's never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging bread. And church, I'm telling you today, this is not all about giving and the tithe and offering. Understand that. Because it's not just the 10% that belongs to God. It's all of it. 
It's all of it. And it doesn't matter if you're given the 10%, but you're wasting the 90, you're still not being a good steward. You need to steward the things that God has blessed you with. And I believe that the reply and the response of our Lord will be just like that of the Master in this story. Well done, good and faithful servant. It might have been a big deal to you, but it was nothing to me. Because out of the storehouse of my riches, I am able to open up the windows of heaven and bless you with a blessing that you would not be able to contain. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. You may argue that you don't have much to offer in the grand scheme of things. But stewardship and giving isn't as much about how it affects what's around you as much as it is how it affects what's inside of you. You've been faithful with a few things. The Lord says, now I will make you ruler over many. Don't have the audacity to ask God for more if you're not faithful with what He's already been giving you. And remember that the master in this story dispensed to each one according to his ability. So whatever your hand in life today, it is expected by the Lord that you would play it to the full. Whatever you've been blessed with, maybe it's a lot, maybe it's a little. But God expects the same thing of each of us. We're going to cover it next week. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. That we be faithful to the things that the Lord has blessed us with. The church today, I want you to leave this place. I don't want you to compare what you've got with what your neighbor's got. I don't want you to compare the square footage of your house with the square footage of your neighbor's house. The amenity and the trims. All those things are nice. I get it. I understand. But I want you to look at what you have. And the way God brought that into your life. And the way God provided it for you. And don't ever let what someone else has diminish in your mind and in your heart the significance of what God has blessed you with. Don't ever let comparison bring you to a place that you don't feel blessed. I told our Wednesday night group this week, I said, I've got a real hard life because I'm a little bit of a tech junkie. I like the iPhones and the iPads and the iPods and all of those gadgets. I mean, I just... Let me just tell you a quick story. Can I tell you a quick story? I sent my wife the other day to the dress store. Okay? You with me? All of you fellas, instantly, you had that imagery of waiting for hours out in the car. I sent her in the dress store and I went to Best Buy. 
And after some time passed, she calls and says, Are you ever coming back to get me? Sad, sad part about that is that that being the thing I like, you realize that by the time I get my new and shiny home, it's already old and obsolete. And there's a marketing campaign that's aimed to make me not be appreciative of what I'm holding in my hand. To make me feel like what I have is not adequate. That it's not meeting the need anymore. And if I really want to be up to date, then I've got to go and drop another grand or something. That's the only thing about living in a highly marketed society. All those commercials that you see, on they're all aimed at making you to be unsatisfied with what you have. But church, I challenge you today to recognize the significance of your blessings. Whatever it is, if you're here today and you're healthy, you need to get up and praise God every day. We've got people that can't be here this morning, people that when they do come, they're, they're, they're walking with, with assistance and different things like that. If you are standing up on your feet, thank God for it. Jeff, Jeff would like to tell all of you this morning that can see in this place to be thankful for the beauty that you behold on a daily basis. The things that you see with your eyes, the vision God has given you. You are blessed. You are blessed and highly favored. You are blessed beyond measure. God has given you so much. Don't take any of it for granted and don't ever diminish the value of the blessing. Would you stand with me this morning? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. And we cease to exercise stewardship over it. We're just ready to move on to the next thing. But honor the Lord today with all that you have because you're blessed. Amen? Would you just lift your voices today and just thank the Lord with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you, Lord, for every blessing. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you've moved and provided, Lord, the the trials that you've seen us through, God. Lord, help us even not to take for granted the moving of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Such things as we've witnessed here in this place today, God. The touch of your presence, God. The anointing that you provide. Lord, the salvation that you have wrought on our behalf. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we give you the highest praise today. And we thank you in the strong name of Jesus. Would you sing this chorus with us today?
week in a spirit of thanksgiving to celebrate thanksgiving. We hope that you have a wonderful time with your families, but we also hope that you don't never forget what God has done in your life and that as we celebrate this season, not only do we celebrate with our families, God, but we celebrate with our God and our King. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just bless every single person as we go out this week. God, as we uh, just walk in the spirit of thanksgiving this week, I pray you would bless everyone, help everyone to have a safe week, and bring us all back together next week in your heaven. And we pray, amen. You guys have a wonderful day.